Greetings, and welcome to Broken Boxes Podcast. In this conversation, Sterling Harjo and Chinupahanska Luger reflect on the process and outcome of Sterling's journey on creating the hit television series Reservation Dogs, now in its second season. They also talk about creating through a pandemic, lifting up independent filmmakers, swinging for the fences, the actors from Reservation Dogs and their character breakdowns, the latest custom hat by Chinupa, indigenous film crews, and a little cameo by Sterling's son, Ayo. Sterling Harjo is an award-winning seminal Muscogee Creek filmmaker who has directed three feature films and a feature documentary, all of which address the contemporary Native American lived experience. Hardro is a founding member of the five-member Native American comedy group, The 1491s. And Sterling's latest project, Reservation Dogs, is now streaming season two on FX. This is the third conversation between Sterling and Chinupa for the podcast. Check out our archive to listen to the first two conversations. Also check out Sterling's podcast, The Cuts, where Sterling chats with creative team from Reservation Dogs and many other creative peers, including Taika Waititi. That is one wild hat, sir. <laughs> this is my latest invention. <laughs> that and a pair of uh, cowboy boots with the tops folded down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're Chinipa, what hat should I wear for this? Uh, <laughs> that other one's fine. Uh, but, you know. There's a lot of shadow on my face. What's going on here? That's your beard. Yeah. And my soul. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? It's good, man. So, Sterling, Harjo. Are we uh, going? Are we started? Well, we've got the recording going, I right? Talk. I only talk when I'm being recorded or interviewed these days, so... I imagine that there's probably a lot of truth in that. It is true. All right. We're starting. All right. We'll start. Thank Sterling you. Harjo's here. Thank you. <laughs> Let me introduce you all to Sterling Harjo. <laughs> I just take over. <laughs> I just ask myself questions and answer them. Um, man, I, I don't know if things could change. Things could have changed more in a one year than since the last time we did a podcast a year ago and a month apparently yeah well we're both still alive yeah no i remember having calls with you this might have been before this might have been before the podcast but i remember talking to you like early pandemic going like yeah, it was. it was. So this was like two years ago, like early pandemic going like, how do we, we know we're going to survive this. And we were, we pretty much figured it out that Indians were immune and that, that, that turned out not to be true at all. Yeah. That was two years ago. That yeah. was hopeful thinking. <laughs> it was definitely wishful thinking. We're like, what if we just like, you know, um, and it's wild. Like that's wild. Like I haven't seen you in that amount of time since we made love and fury and yeah. yeah we've talked on the phone life has changed um my reservation dogs came out and i mean i think i think we had shot the pilot or something the last time 
I talked to you maybe or you know now that this is after we had had a uh, podcast before it aired right. you had filmed a lot of it by time we talked yeah. because you gave me spoilers galore oh, that's right that's right <laughs> I was like showing you like really shitty. I was like sharing my uh, page for, with you and stuff. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh, I was laughing. I was rolling. I think yeah. we saved all of that for after we had our conversation and we just were like, right. This is before it's going to air. So let's not spoil anything. But, um, you know, presently we're moving into season two, which is kind yeah. of awesome. Um, and season three hasn't been announced, but it's coming. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, we're going to get to do that. So I heard it first here. Um, yeah, it's wild. I mean, what was it like your experience seeing it come out? Like I had a hell of a year. Well, and I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk about that. I think this is a good opportunity to decompress some of those, uh, mm-hmm. some of those feelings. Right. Cause I imagine that it's gotta be nuts. Just the amount of your face I've seen is uh, awesome. And, but you didn't get to see my face. So that, you know, that's the difference. I'm like, usually your face, you get to see my face. Yeah. I mean, it was weird. Like when it, when stuff started happening, like whenever the show, you could tell the show was going to be popular. At first it was like, all right, there's some Indians liking it. Like, all right, there's some memes coming out of Indian country, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, then it was like, oh shit, like this is kind of happening everywhere now. And it's not just Indian country. Um, that was really wild because it's just like crazy feeling of like, you're proud, but also it's the most exposed overexposure you could ever have of yourself. And, uh, that's, that's a crazy feeling to me. Like it was crazy to like you know, all of a sudden lots of people were talking about something that you made. And for me, it was always about like, when I made this show, I made it for native people. Like the, the, the hat trick was going to be, I got it. I'm trying to make it for native people, but I hope that everyone likes it and can identify with it. You know, that was the goal. And when that happened, I don't know, I'm just so used to being an independent filmmaker where it's like my films come out, couple festival crowds see it man they like it and the local critic loves it uh maybe it gets written about in a couple other publications but like and i don't make make any money i actually lose money and not that many people see it but all my instagram friends see it and you know my family uh so to see it kind of blow up on that scale first of all it was unbelievable and i didn't realize how big it was getting Um, But it was also just like overwhelming. It was like a wave of craziness. Like it was like a wave hitting you. And it's hard to like complain about any of this because obviously it changed my life for the better as well. And I'm really glad that the show did well. But it was a level of exposure that I just wasn't used to, you know, and um, a level of scrutiny as well, you know, that comes with that. And, you know, it was like people I, I don't know it was this feeling of like made this thing and it's truly not mine anymore it's everyone else's and they get to say whatever they want to about it love it hate it whatever and i had to get used to that 
and that's okay now. It actually feels better now because that's yours now. Like I, yeah. I made that, but like it's yours. Like you own it. And like there's an ownership over it that was really amazing that I saw take place where it was like, oh, this is ours. Like, thank you for making it. This is ours now, you know? Yeah. And that was amazing to see and crazy. Props to you. I'm always a fan you. before you were, even before you were famous. Uh, but I, whenever I talked about you, I'd just call you my friend, but I wouldn't be like my friend, Sterling Harjo. My famous and friend. My <laughs> raise an eyebrow. Um, one thing, though, that I wanted to say that I think is really awesome, and I, I imagine, you know, I don't know enough about how, what it means to be a showrunner and what it means to like put on a TV show. I know that there is kind of like a, um, there's a formula, right? Where you invite in directors to film aspects of the work and different things like that. But because Indian country is so small, as far as like people hustling and making and trying to push the edge and boundary of what representation is, the work that you're doing, bringing on all of these other directors and stuff like that is, I mean, that's a, that's a communal boost, but that also puts in play all the communities that they come from the celebration of them. So like this lack of ownership, right? Like it's kind of built into the format of show running, I imagine. So I mean, it is, but like, I don't think a lot of people do it like that. And you and I have talked about this a lot. It's like, how do we do this as artists and create things? And you do this well, where it's like, you have these community-based art projects. And I think that if you understand community and you understand what that means in our indigenous, within our indigenous cultures, that's the way you have to do it. And if you're not doing it like that, then I'm a little suspicious, you know, um, yeah. it's a very different thing from non-native culture, especially specifically like Eurocentric uh, art and culture, you know, it's like sort of like, you know, the, the American novel kind of is known for it's like rugged individualism, you know, it's about pulling yourself up from your bootstraps, you know, and, and, and going out on the own on the great American journey where that's not what reservations dogs is about, you know, it's about four kids, but then it expands and starts becoming more and more about a community, you know? Um, but also I think that to truly, it's not good enough just to tell a story like that. You also got to put it in practice. And there's a lot of talk of community on my set. You know, there's a lot of talk about that and like what this means. And, you know, there's non-natives on my set. There's a lot of natives on my set. And it's a collaborative art form. And I try to like make sure everything's open and everything's talked about. It's not like uh, I want the non-natives to be comfortable in the fact that this is how we do it. And so I'll explain it to them. It's not like I, I don't have a I don't have a grudge against anyone because they don't know what we're doing, but I'll explain to them, you know, at the beginning, we're gonna have a blessing and we're gonna have singers come and we're gonna make sure we start this thing off right. You know, uh-huh. and you know, you can see the faces of some of the people kind of confused at what's going on. But like season two, they were all aboard. You know, like yeah, <laughs> um, you know, if we have a hard, scary thing to talk about, yeah, exactly. If, if we if we have a hard, scary scene, you know, that we and we're dealing with some heavy shit, even though it's comedy, I, you know, we would stop and we would have someone, you know, talk, and or I would talk, and then we would, you know, we'd burn cedar or whatever and let people you know if they wanted to 
smoke off and when we would really talk about this stuff and i i would tell them you know like we're talking about some heavy shit that like you might not have in our community this is how we address this i want you to know don't take any of this with you and this is what we're trying to do here this is what we're trying to say like we're telling this story and we, we need to tell it truthfully but don't take it with you like this is meant to stay in this story it's not meant to take with you home yeah and I, at the end of the shoot, right before we ended, I, we did one more uh, blessing. And I, of the, this is of the pilot. And I told them, I thanked everyone at the end of the shoot. I told everyone, I thanked the kids for being there and all the crew. And I was like, look, some of y'all come from Atlanta. Some of y'all come from Louisiana. Some of y'all come from LA. A lot of you are local. You know, we thank you for coming here and like telling the story of these kids because these kids are representative of people that survived a long time. And you're about to go back to where their homelands were in Atlanta. Yeah. Just think about that, you know, and, and also don't take any of the things that we, that we kicked up here with you because it's meant to be a part of this story. And we were just like, you know, in Tazba's episode where um, they find Daniel, Laura finds Daniel, you know, it was something that we really talked a lot about. It's like, I didn't want it to feel exploitative. And we talked a lot about that during the writer's room. It was like, this isn't to shock people, but in honor of people that have done that and, and the people that have survived through that and seen that happen to someone they loved, we have to show something. And what we can do is take a lot of care in how that unfolds. And we'll make sure that everyone's ready for it and prepped before it happens. And that's six episodes in. You know, we slowly show people that it's coming and then it happened. And, you know, we just took a lot of care with that and like, like really talked about it. And, you know, we cleared the set and brought spiritual people in to talk with, with the actors and, and with Tosman myself. And we all just talked, you know, and um, similar to when the kids were doing a blessing in the pilot episode uh, at the memorial for their friend, Daniel, you know, we talked a lot about that and everyone shared their stories of who they lost and who we thought about when we thought about Daniel, you know, everybody had a Daniel, you know, and yeah, it was really healing and like, and emotional to do that scene. And like, uh, also just take the care and make sure that, you know, yeah, we're making entertainment TV, but like, it's not entertainment TV. Like this is like, it's his life-saving stuff. And this is like, this is stuff that for generations, we didn't have something that reflected our own story like that. And, and we have to like be cautious and take care with it. You know, how, how we, how we do it um, because it is important. And, and if we do it right, people can feel really seen. And I think that's really important. Let me ask you this. What about like, um, it's just making me think the general air of the world within, you know, since the pandemic to present, I've seen a lot more demystification around like self-care and mental health, mental health awareness. I think it's really important to kind of talk to your whole crew about what you're doing and how it'll affect people. But I think that there's also, um, and, and I'd love to get your take on this. Like, what do you think about catharsis as entertainment? Like, is there, is there something blurry in that, that you want to chop it up about or? I mean, I think that that is what's happened in the last couple of years through a lot of the things that have been created since that started, you know, 
it's a lot of like i don't know like as far as what we did it was so you know you could almost cry every day when you're there with masks on and everyone's got masks and you're all pulling together and you're trying not to get anyone sick you're hoping no one could get sick you'll get shut down but also just in general health you're working with elders you're working with everyone and at the same time you're starting you've, you've been seeing native communities you know suffer and other communities suffer and it was a whole different thing i don't know how to make a show that's not in a pandemic <laughs> you know like i've never done it you know, like I am a pandemic showrunner, you know, like that's the only way I know how is like someone yelling at me to put my mask on because I have a tendency to talk and pull it down and talk with my mask off. So I, I always got to get reminded to put it back on. Um, and especially during the pilot in season one, we didn't know it was going to happen. In season one, we didn't have anybody get COVID, you know, and it's a big deal when that happens because everything shifts and everything gets shut down and uh, depending on who it was. And I don't know, I feel like that's the way that the show was written as well. It was a healing show. You know, it was like all of the conversation, all of us talked. I mean, like you and I hadn't talked about survival until the pandemic. We were like, whoa, like, yeah, you look at your friends and your family and your brothers and the people in your community and your, your sisters. And you're like, oh no, like, I hope people aren't vulnerable, you know, and we hadn't talked about that really until the pandemic. And then that's, everyone had those conversations. And then, so you pull that into a writer's room, a people are wanting to have fun finally, and like tell a kick-ass story and make people laugh. B you want to take care of each other and try to heal, you know, and like spread some joy, man. Like that's kind of what reservation dogs was about. It was like, this perfect amount of like joy and trying to make people happy and laugh. And, and I don't know how it came together. Like it did, to be honest, like, I mean, I think back to like casting, I mean, some of them I met in person, some of them got tapes. Uh, the people that almost got cast as the four gang, the, the head, the four main gang got cast as the bad guy gang, you know? And it's like, I, I look at some of these auditions sometimes from back in the day, like, like Lane, you know, when I met cheese, like kid was like, so young in the first auditions. I mean, so young. And now he's like almost a grown man. But like, uh, you know, his mom had to bribe him with McDonald's to go to the audition that day. He didn't want to go. And he'd only been taking an acting class because he had been playing too much video games. And his sister was really into acting. So his mom made him take this class in, in, in Norman, Oklahoma. And she had to like bribe him to go. And he wasn't going to do it. And then he gets in there and he's so funny, just naturally. I'd throw the script out and have him say stuff. And he was just like, so funny. And we, and the character cheese wasn't even like that in the first script. And then, you know, get this tape that is Paulina. And she's got like this, I think she had like a hockey Jersey and a hat on and like, like flip flops and, you know, like gym shorts and was just like, just Paulina. man. I mean, like, yeah, all came through. <laughs> and it was like, I remember Tyke and I looking at her tape going like, she's got to be in the show. Like, like we got to have her in here somehow. And so changed the gender of Willie Jack. And, you know, she became, uh, we, cause it was supposed to be, it was cast as a boy. And like Paulina came in and I was like, Oh man, have her do these lines. And then she did it. And I was just like, all right, like that, that changes, it changes everything. That's <laughs> and, wild. You know, yeah. And then like, um, you know, with, uh, Devery who plays Laura Dannon, uh, she was my friend. I knew her. And in my mind, I was like, 
she's too old. Like, this is, like Debra, you're too old. Like, this is going to work, you know? <laughs> and then, of course, she gives me this audition, and it's like, oh, shit, like, of course this will work, you know? And uh, we, were doing, we were doing selections for the callbacks, which is, like, the final one where you pick them in L.A. You get, like, 15 people to really, 10 people to go after these four roles, and that's who you cast. Uh, I remember Taika just won an Oscar, we were in his hotel room at the time. Literally, there was no furniture, so we lay, there was like not much furniture. So we laid on the bed together. I had my laptop up, and we watched auditions of kind of the final ones, and like did our picks. And I remember his Oscar was laying in between us, like on the <laughs> bed, and um, you know. And so we and then we went. They all got flown out like next day, and we we they did a final audition. And we picked. I remember the Pharaoh who plays Bear. He did this like great thing where DeFerro's Bear's character in the pilot has a video camera and he's kind of introducing you to the world, you know. And there's a camera that's filming the audition. And he was the only one that right when the audition started, he was just like, What's up, guys? And, like grabbed the camera and started filming himself and filming all of us and like introducing everyone and like doing his lines like that, like in the room, you know. And it was just like the energy that he brought. Cause Bear's the character Bear is kind of a brooding character you know and um it needs that kind of juxtaposition of someone that is that full of life and wonder that he is you know and he really is i mean like deferro's great like you can't like i mean like every day uh he comes with a new like i don't know he comes with a new song that he wants you to check out you know or like we both have um like bluetooth speakers and it's, when he's on set and I'm on set, we're like dueling to who gets the, the to play the song, you know? And uh, he's just, a, he loves art. He's just like, a, he's that kid, you know, that like, um, that, you know, works so well with um, Bear. And uh, it was amazing just to see those kids come together. And then like, you have someone that played like, like Elva, who plays Jackie, um, the kind of leader of the bagger game. I mean, like, came to an audition in Oklahoma City and was just like, like magical like she she'd never acted before and her auntie brought her uh just to audition she saw it was like i'm gonna go audition and she was wearing a wu-tang clan shirt i had that like blonde hair dot you know like she bleached her hair and um was just like whoa like you're amazing like never acted before you know and she just stepped up and did it man and then like the guy that plays bone thug dog who's kind of like one of her henchmen or whatever yeah he's just this like Muskogee kid that like came in and I think Seminoles as well. He came in and was just like, yeah, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a rapper. And I was like, well, can you rap for me? And he just like laid down like freestyle right there. It was just like, he was so comfortable on screen. And like, I was just like, of course. And then Weez, the guy that plays Weez, you know, he's just like Xavier. He's just like, um, such a funny dude. He reminds me of like one of the wise cracking kids in like an eighties movie. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Kind of sm half smart, smirking and smiling. And I was like, gotta have this kid in there. And his hair is always just kind of like in his face. Uh, just like, you know, gotta have this guy. And then of course, you know, white Steve, like wrote a character, what we wrote a character called white Steve. And there's always that kid, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, Jack is just like down. Like he came in and just like got it immediately. It's just like, yeah, I can take the hits, but I'm also like, I'm also the most down dude, you know, like the most down white guy in this in this neighborhood, you know, and uh plays that so well. And he's just so funny. Um, I mean, but that's amazing to see that happen. That gang, all those people come together 
and just like, you know, like Zahn, like I'd always told him, like, I'm going to write you a comedy someday. Like, I'm going to write you a comedy. He's like, fuck, man, I wish you would. Fuck. Like, you know, he's always playing like the the bad guy. And um, uh-huh. But I knew him as being hilarious. You know, he's just like funny, dude. And I had that like ongoing kind of joke that I always, when I was with him, I would act like he's like my, my elderly uncle, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'd take photos of him, post him where it's like, I'd say like, um, ran into uncle today. He was a little grumpy, but uh, got him some soup. But now he's happy. You know, I would just like, like troll him like that all the time. And uh, he's just such a funny guy. I remember one time we were working in Santa Fe together. Uh, we just sat at this little cafe, like Palace Cafe, I can't remember what it's called. And, and we sat outside of it every morning. And we're just like, <laughs> he just shit talked people as they walk by. Just like, not in a bad way, but just joking with him, you know, and they'd all come and migrate towards him. He'd be busting on people or whatever he's so funny and i was just like i gotta write you a comedy you know you gotta write a comedic part because no one knows how funny you are and so you know oh it was actually like i wrote uncle brownie for him uh originally and he was he was but that wasn't in the pilot and john proudstar was gonna play big and like week before proudstar gets covid can't come out we call uh, Zons on another project and like, dude, can you get down there? He, I think he drove down, like states away, drove down, came and was in the show and was hilarious. And then, of course, Gary Farmer becomes Uncle Brownie. And then John becomes Leon, who was Willie Jack's dad. So it worked out. But uh, And I can't imagine anyone else as big now. You know? <laughs> I know character it's it's awesome too and that his nickname big is like right right (laughs) shit ass like became a thing you know that he was always saying he said it one day at the pilot in the the second episode he called the kids shit asses and i was like keep say that again like keep saying that and so then after that i would just throw it in every time he talked he was saying shit ass and then it became this thing that spread to throughout the whole uh like different characters say it now so sometimes someday people get sick of the word shit ass but like i feel like we brought it back you know like it's it's now in the zeitgeist of, of things to say yeah i just called my kids that the other day coming back from the airport i call mine that every now and then too no shit <laughs> Yeah, they were acting up in the back seat, and I was like, "You guys are acting like shit asses." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Ginger like looked at me. She was driving, and I was sitting passenger, you know, yeah. over the shoulder. Right. <laughs> Just I'm glad I could bring that verbal child abuse back into our community. <laughs> well, their language is terrible. I'm for I'm like we were talking about it earlier today when we went on a hike. My youngest man, any chance without us being around, he's got the worst mouth ever. Right now, my boy Io is in that phase of like getting mad at you if you curse. Like he'll get on to you. Yeah. But I can feel that's changing. You know, There's something changing. Keep it up. Because uh, the latter is bizarro. Yeah. I, I I tried to tell him that it was like strong punctuation. You know, I'm like, don't waste it. Don't waste those words. Right. Wasting right. <laughs> well, I'm bad because I've been telling my son because he gets on to me about cursing. And I'm like, uh, they're just words, man. Like, it's fine. Just don't say them in school. You know? So he's, <laughs> I, I bet he just changes into this like potty mouth now. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm always like, read the room. Just read right. the room. Right. That's all. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's blown up. It's big in my on my algorithm. It's right. big. You know? right. um, I imagine that's true in other spaces, but I think one thing that you mentioned that I think would um, could deserve a little bit deeper dive into is right. um, the sense of it not being yours anymore. Like how people interpret all of this stuff, you know, like there are similarities, you know, your, your cast is, you know, a lot of native people, but it's also very diverse as far as native cultures, you know? And so there are bits and pieces that feel like back home for me up in North Dakota, you know, there's bits and pieces that I see that are like down here in New Mexico where I live, you know, and there are all of these similarities, but I, I imagine the tendency to kind of like grapple on and kind of like view it through those filters is probably has a lot to do with how people like your audience owns it in ways. Um, How have you, how have you felt about that? Yeah. I mean, like part of it was a little bit, I think constructed like that where, you know, all the writer's room, it's like all the tribes, all the communities that we're from, you know, it's like Dakota, uh, Ojibwe, Ponca, Kumaya, uh, Paiute, um, Apache, uh, Muscogee, Seminole, you know, uh, white, oh, uh, Ryan, no, (laughs) 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 no, it's just like, I mean, there's, everyone's got their own experiences, you know, you got like, everyone from these different like communities and it's like what do you how do, you know it's going to come off as like everyone's going to have their own um everyone's going to have similarities but also like everyone's going to have differences and that kind of like i'm you know i'd love to say that i you know uh i would love to say that i meant to do that you know, but like, it was, it was just like a byproduct of, of goodness, you know, it was like, it was like this, like, byproduct of like, what we were trying to do. And then having all of these different diverse voices in the writer's room, well, all these different things from each community, like came out, you know, and uh, everyone had their own commonalities and things that from their community that they would bring in. And it was also surprising how similar it is all over, you know, but there's certain things that we have. And then you have all these actors from different places and they bring a lot to the table as well, you know, like their own, like Willie Jack, I let her, you know, she's one of the ones that I let really improvise. And sometimes if it's like not feeling great, I'll be like, Paulina, like what's going on? Like, just say it how you would say it, like change all of those fucking lines, say how you would say it. Yeah. That's when she like, nails it you know like puts her herself into it and it's like then it just like elevates you know um you know it's like oh shit like it comes off the page you know and that was um that was like because of all the diversity in the writer's room but also the acting and everything that also came from 1491s traveling throughout indian country for so many years we would travel throughout indian country and do shows and we picked up little things from all those communities and we started figuring out the commonality and the humor that was commonplace to the different communities. Um, that is also how we learned how to make non, non-natives laugh with us. Because trying to make non-natives laugh, especially of the European descent, 
is a trick because there's a lot of like guilt wrapped up in things. Yeah. They want to be very like, oh, especially a certain time. Like they want to be very precious with you and like, oh, we don't laugh. Like, wow, this is all so important, you know? And um <laughs> we would Should, do, or or the opposite. Or the opposite. Should I think at that, like exactly. exactly. I yeah. want to laugh. No, exactly. Most of the time it was that. <laughs> and so um we bombed enough with like uh, non-native audiences that we learned that we had to give them permission to laugh. And we had to build that into the beginning of the show. So at the beginning of the show, we would always come out and be really self-deprecating and tell them it's okay. Like you guys can laugh with us. It's fine. You know, you know, you did a bunch of fucked up shit in the past, but it's okay. You know, we're friends now. I would do this shit like that. And just loosen them up. And so they were like, okay, we can laugh with them now. Like, they're not going to be mad at us for laughing, you know? You know, and that's really where I think Dallas's character comes in. Like, he is that mechanism in the show to do that. You know, it's like, you're, you know, it opens with like, I want to be your dog. And kids are stealing a chip truck. It's like, where the fuck am I? You know? Yeah. And it doesn't stop. It's pretty relentless in how it's just like, we're just taking you on the trip with us. And then everything stops when he gets knocked out and he wakes up and all of a sudden you see this like familiar figure, you know, <laughs> like the figure that like, if we ask 95, 90% of the world to draw a native person, that's what they would draw. Mm-hmm. And I bet they're feeling a little uneasy about that, about that time in the show. And it was a relief to see that like, Oh, like they do know what I think they are. And we took it and it's like, yeah, we were this and are this, but also, isn't it silly that you think that that's what we are still and let's laugh about it and also turn it on its head. And instead of giving you the warrior that was brave and that you think is the most amazing, we're going to give you the guy that thinks he was amazing, thinks he's amazing, but died in a gopher hole at one of the most famous battles of any native conflict, you know, where we fucked him up and like, took Custer down, you know, and of course this guy dies by getting crushed by his horse. And it's like, we're going to flip everything on its head and we're going to make, show you something very familiar, but then we're going to laugh at it together at how ridiculous it is that you still think that that's what we, how we are and how we talk. And we're going to laugh at it together because we are of this modern place and time now. And I think it puts everyone at ease and like everyone, I think it helps them understand native humor at that point. And then they're kind of along for the ride after that. Totally. Yeah, no. And that's, it's a really good mechanism also to explore like the holy sacred stoicism, stoicism, you know, that, that identity, that stereotype carries by just what Dallas has to say and how he delivers it. And all, you know, it's like, right even even back then they were probably joking all the time you know right. what i'm saying and, right you know, there was something there's something really beautiful about that just as a um because when you feel when you see dallas they're like oh shit here we go yeah and then uh and then he starts delivering his lines and the, and it just right it's so good um when we were shooting that first one with him I just remember feeding him lines and and having him say stuff. And I just remember at one point looking around and the whole crew was like in tears, like trying not to bust up laughing. And I was like, man, Dallas nailed it. dude! Like (laughs) he nailed it, you know? Yeah. 
the 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 memes and content generated online too from like some of the things that he said uh with yeah. all of that here you know hits freaking hard the latest set of memes that i've been laughing at are the zon on sesame street memes <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> s is for shit man <laughs> yeah I don't know. There's something really cool that I think is being generated outside of the context of the show right. with imagery that the show has provided that is like building the lexicon and the understanding of the complexity of like an indigenous identity, you know, right. um, that I think is awesome. You know, I think that that's also sharing like what, what you and 1491s did, like traveling around and doing all of that work back in the day and seeing how that uh, finds its way into the writer's room and just the like, um, I don't know, equation that goes into like, okay, these things work to make people laugh. This is, this is how you um, loosen people up, you know, yeah. and just seeing the application of all of that is also uh, a really good a conduit to like create a story and narrative around native people that isn't one dimensional. So I, I think that that's all I it's, it's interesting to see how, right. I mean, what was it like watching your kids watch it? My kids get to see me make it. So it's a little different, but what was it like for you to like <laughs> your kids watch it? Yeah. I don't care, man. They sit down next to me. I'm watching the show. <laughs> 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 but is it weird to have a family show like that that's like you know like, well it's it that's the thing though it's weird for me right they, not, them, though, not them right right they get this you know yeah. what i'm saying like they get this on tv they get this just in the like like knowing that media is available to indigenous people right. like they do not know that it was not for a long right. ass time right. you know and yeah. so it's interesting, like they, you know, they, they watch it, they love it, they laugh, they laugh. Um, they, I think that there is like a strong understanding within them of like representation, you know, that they're dressed like they are, you know what I'm saying? That they're not right. you know, historical, you know, version right. of Native right. people. But I would say, I mean, watching it with Ginger and myself, like, like there are so many, I'm, I'm literally just like laughing every you know, even like moments where it's like, you shouldn't be laughing, you know, right. like the delivery of something or, you know, how something said. Just like, I remember feeling really good um, when Ginger and friends were down and I showed them a sneak peek of the pilot. And um, they loved it. I mean, it wasn't just they loved it. It was like a different type of like reaction to something that I'd made, you know? And afterwards they were just kind of like stunned and just kind of like, whoa, like this is going to be, people are going to love this, you know? And I showed it to my cousin. My cousin has the same humor as me. Very Indian humor. Like we love someone going out on a limb and failing and just like, that's the funniest thing you could ever see. Like, especially when they think they're badasses, you know? And, um, I remember showing episodes to my cousin and him just like in tears laughing. And I was just like, ah, oh, yes. Like the one person that can make me laugh harder than anyone by just being with them and laughing yeah. something with them and having an understanding of our humor together. 
it's I have not, I've never laughed more than I have with him. And to see him like crying, laughing at it was great. Like it was like, oh shit. Like I hope other <laughs> I hope other people like it, but you know, that was satisfying. Well, other people like it, Sterling. Yeah. yeah other people like it. Uh it's also interesting for me to see it now. I'm 43 years old, not ever really having anything like that, you know, uh, being really proud about a few breakout, you know, Indian Indian films that made it into kind of like popular culture, but uh, on a streaming service, like being able to pull it up and watch it, knowing that like, it's not some like, low circulated dvd or vhs tape you know but it's like this is for everybody to to receive it 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 keeps being weird to me to like Uh, just just seeing it you know like is strange where i'm like fuck man like i was a little bummed that i didn't go to indian market just because i would like to see the different you know like like having gone to Indian market without ever having this show and then having it's like such a part of the culture now as far as memes and stuff, you know, and like just to be able to see, like I heard, like I saw on Facebook, somebody wrote, uh, man, saw uh, one of my heroes today, Zon McLaren at this restaurant in Santa Fe. And he's like, um, I saw, I told my kids, like, hey, I showed him, I was like, hey, it's big, you know, and uh, they, he was introducing himself and my kids were shy. And he said, Zon said, Come on, you little shit asses, take a photo with me. <laughs> got the kids in and took a photo with them, you know? It's like, I would love to have seen. And Zon said that, like, Zon told me that, like, out of any part that he's ever played, the most thing he gets is, is big. And people just call him shit ass. Like, <laughs> I love that, like, my trolling of Zon and Uncle and all that <laughs> turned into just people walking down the street going, shit ass. <laughs> Oh my God. That, well, it, it's done in the most enduring way, you yeah, know? It's true. I think, I, and uh, I think that that's great. Like also just seeing, and, and you know, I'm, I can, I'm only imagining this because I'm not actually there, but having young native kids as stars, oh, yeah. like the impact of that for other young native kids has got to be, and maybe, you know, depending on their age, if they're around the age of the characters themselves, like they've also been alive in the world and never had any show like this ever. So that's got to be really nice and helpful. I haven't done it either. You know what I mean? Like not just even them. It's like, I travel with them. We're all blown away. And it's so great being with them. I remember the critics choice awards and it's like all fancy, literally like, you know, Denzel's right there. Like, you know, like, uh, Spielberg's right here, you know, and the most famous people I've ever seen. We're just at a table, and Paulina literally just has her face, her phone on the table, her face on the phone, watching streaming a hockey game from up in Canada. <laughs> like, I could care less about everyone around her. She's just like watching this like hockey game, you know, during the Critics' Choice Awards. Um, you know, Lane got cast in a Spielberg movie right after the first season and he plays like it's a movie that's based on Spielberg's childhood and he plays one of Spielberg's childhood friends and we literally go to this like AFI awards where we got an award and you know Lane goes right up to him like Mr. Spielberg Steven you know and uh and he like gives 
Lane a big hug and he's like, Lane, how are you? And he's like, you're in the final film. You made it. You're in it a lot. You did so great. You know? And Lane's like, guys, you want to meet Spielberg? Like, no, like, no, like I can't meet him right now. You know, like, come on, meet my friend. You know, it's just like, you know, it's unbelievable. Like everyone's so good. Like they're all good. You know, they're all really good. And like, you know, it's been hard on everyone. It's been beautiful on everyone, you know, uh, learn to not drink too much before I get an award. That was important. You know, the nervous drinking and and then getting up and saying a little too much, you know, (laughs) make it water water at first, man. Lesson learned, lesson learned. Uh, I'm a a growing, learning human being. Um, And man, it was like, uh, but there were times where it was like, I didn't know if I wanted it all, you know, it was like the, the traveling and the press and the, the going to awards and stuff. And my lady Brit was with me and that, and that helped me like having someone with me during that time, just to like see it and to like be able to bounce things off of her and say, Hey, like, like, do you see what I'm like, is this happening? And it's like, also like someone to say, like, don't worry about anything. It's, it doesn't mean shit, you know, like yeah. come back down and, you know, <laughs> stop worrying too much. And, uh, just trying to keep your head on straight. You know, I didn't see my kids a lot during the shoot because it was so crazy hours and stuff. Um, and then I went right into the, um, the press and the traveling for it. And it was like, you know, that's hard. That's all hard. It's all weird. And like, it's, you know, it's, it's weird. It's like, um, I was on Mark Marin's show. You know what I mean? Like I'm about to be on fresh air with Terry gross, like all this shit that are like, like my heroes, you know, like, and I'm just like sitting down in Mark Marin's garage, talking to him. And like, by the way, his, his episode, he's in the next episode that comes out, which is pretty fun. Black horse directed. And I just can't like, you know, Thank God it didn't happen when I was younger, I think, you know, like, I'm really glad that I'm 42 going through all of that and being able to kind of like live in Oklahoma, um, try to keep my head on straight and, you know, know that like there was a lot of like semi successes and failures that got me here, you know? And I think that it's a lesson in for anyone, which is like, and you know this too, but like, it's a lesson in like, I, it was all hard work for years and years and years, not knowing. I mean, I was talking to Sierra Ornelius who created Rutherford Falls. Like I was talking to her probably two years before I got reservation dogs got, we sold that show. I was talking to her and we were having lunch in LA and she hadn't had her show yet either. And we were dreaming big and talking about what we wanted to do and how TV seems like the place to be. And, uh, but I was telling her, like, at one point, like, one one lunch that we had, I was like, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm going to retire. And huh. I'm going to start a nonprofit, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, cut to, like, four years later, I'm a showrunner. She's a showrunner. It was hilarious, too, because I'd never showran before. I didn't, I didn't know what a showrunner was. I didn't even know that was a job um, until I was doing it. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I, I, and she had, she had been in TV longer than me and she was already started on Rutherford Falls. And I, I called her at one point and I was like, Sierra, like, what do I, like, and what am I doing? Like, am I supposed to be like having meetings? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, <laughs> I was just like literally nothing. Like there was no owner's manual, you know, Yeah. which I also think was good because I just treated it like my films, you know, like, kind of like treated it like my films and 
you know, like I, I think that if, if there's a strength that I have, it's pulling the best out of people. And I got to bring my best friends in and give them opportunities to like shine. And that speaking of like community and like what, you know, what we're doing here, that to me, it was like, that's the way that we got to do this industry. It's bullshit. Like it's, it's all fucking bullshit. Like the top down shit is bullshit. No one's special. No one's better. They got the opportunities to do stuff. And I'm the same way. I got opportunities, you know, and I fought for them, but I still got them. Somebody gave them to me and I want to give opportunities to people. And I think that, you know, the whole top down sort of mentality and individualism of like Hollywood has just been perpetuated to keep people, you know, most usually men in power, you know, and hold other people down. And it doesn't have to be like that, you know, like it can be a community effort of like letting people shine. And, you know, like, like there was a, you know, one of the last episodes, the, uh, the aunties night out, you know, I saw the dancing scene very different when we came up with that. And to me, it wasn't, this flash to like a kind of fantasy dance number, but I'm also not a native woman who saw something different. And Tazba came up to me and she was like, how would you do this? And I said, well, I think I wouldn't do it like that. I would do it like this. And I could tell that Tazba wanted to do it the way that she saw it. And she's the director. And I was like, look, you're the director. Like, you get to do what you, you know, you do what you feel because it's something I can't see, you know, and it'll probably be better. And it was better. Like she did the thing that was better than what I would have done. Yeah. It's one of people's favorite moments in that episode, you know? And it's like, if I would have said, no, we got to do it this way, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have, we would have never seen that moment with those women, you know? And I think that sometimes it's about stepping out of the way. Sometimes it's about helping when people need you, like the the job of a showrunner, like staying out of people's way, but also being there to like be a sounding board and also help, you know, whenever you need, whenever they need you. And also kind of paying attention to big picture stuff. And like half my time I spent like having traditional foods delivered to set. So it was cooked right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the the chief of the Muscogee nation, his, his, his mom actually made the, the big pot of softy that we used in episode four, you know, like I, I was like, we're not going to fuck this up. Like yeah. someone to make it. So she brought it, they brought it, delivered it, you know? And, um, I don't know. I mean, like just for instance, like that episode to me was about community as well, you know, and like, uh, of the Mabel dying, the, the grandma dying. It was all based on, uh, my grandma, like whenever she passed, like that's what happened, you know, to the point where like when big walks in with that squash and he, <laughs> he hands it to Willie Jack, she's like, fuck am I supposed to do with that? And he goes, cook it up. Shit. It's organic. You know, <laughs> like literally that's a story from that happened while my grandma was dying. We were all at home looked just like that out in the country though. And red corn showed up and my uncle who big's kind of based on, uh, was in the house. He's my great, he was an older man and, um, really paranoid about medicine. Always thought somebody was trying to put some shit on him. And, um, red corn just showed up and he'd never met red corn. So, you know, red corn with a, you know, with a Panama hat on, Probably some suit that's too big for him. He got out of his car, and I go out to meet him, and he's got this giant squash. I mean, like, I've never seen a squash so big. He's just carrying it. 
as a gift. I'm like, what the fuck is that? He's like, squash, man, cook it up, you know? And uh, I was like, all right, when you walk in the house, my uncle Junior is going to be right there. When you walk in, you'll see his face. He's back, he, He's right across the room. And he knew what Uncle Junior looked like. I was like, when you walk in, don't say a word. Just hand him that squash and walk off. He goes, all right. He goes, all right. <laughs> and so Red Core walks in with this giant squash, just opens the door, walks in, hands it to my uncle. My uncle is like mid-story. And he takes it and he's looking at Ryan like this. And Ryan just Ryan just does this and walks off. And then Ryan goes and talks to other people. And my uncle's still like in shock. And I heard my uncle like look around. He looked at somebody and goes, hey. Why do you think that white man handed me that squash? <laughs> so, like, down to like those details, you know, like just <laughs> from your life, you know, and like, there's a moment where, you know, they 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 were talking about doing uh, Mabel's nails uh, before the night was up, and then, and then, you know, there's the supplying of chapstick to her mouth, you know, like little things like that that my aunt, my mom's, my mom would do, my aunties would do, just to make my grandma comfortable you know i was just like she was going even though my grandma couldn't talk you know it was still like important to do all this stuff and when my uh kind of another grandma but my aunt died similar thing we all went to her house this is after though and i just remember sitting there going like and she and the reason like it hit me so hard with her is because she was like such this like powerhouse matriarch in our family and she was like kind of known as the cook like there she used to work at a restaurant and when she worked there it was the best food ever when she left it all went downhill you know like she cooked amazing food always in the kitchen always feeding you anytime you went to her house it was like the spread and and um uh, i'm sitting there it was right after she passed away i went to the to the family's house that night and all of her granddaughters, without missing a beat, without being told, without skipping a beat, nothing, like without being told what to do, all of them were doing exactly what she did. They were making sure you were fed. They were taking care of everyone. And that was beautiful to me. And it just hit me just like, wow, like, you know, like they didn't have to be told. They just saw their whole life. They saw exactly how you have to behave. And they lost their grandma and they know it's time to step up. And they just did it, you know, and they became her just like that. They became her. And that's what we wanted to show in that episode was this older generation of aunties doing it and working and all this. And you're seeing in Willie Jack and you're seeing in Alora, like, oh, like, this is what we do. Like, this is what we got to do now. Like, this is how we do this. Like, this is how you do it. This is how you they. And now they have this knowledge to always do that. You know, like when, when something happens to someone else, they know what to do, you know, because they were showed what to do. And, and I always wanted to do a film based on that. But then I was like, this episode, we could do an episode where it's all just like watching that process of having someone go. And in our community, a lot of times there's like a kind of a revolving door of different people coming in and different groups of people coming in and singing over them and just sitting around with the, with the body praying and then singing. And it's just kind of this revolving door of people coming to say bye, you know, and that's what it was. And that's kind of what I wanted to capture with that episode, you know, and uh, ask Devery to um, write it with me. Because, you know, throughout, you know, Debbie's a writer and a filmmaker herself, and she's really good, really talented. And just working with her and developing that character, Laura, over the first season, you know, like, she's just, she knows what Laura does, you know, like, she knows that character better than anyone. And that was Laura's episode. 
so it just made sense to have her, you know, she came into the writer's room and then she wrote that. I chose that episode for us to write together. And she just like did so good, you know, like um, such a fucking talented writer. So it's like little things like that. It's like, uh, you know, and that doesn't just stop there with what you see on screen. The whole crew felt that the whole crew felt like they were a part of that, you know? Yeah. And everyone just takes their job so serious, you know, like, and one thing that I do too is like, um, you know, I worked on a show as a producer scout that was shot in Santa Fe and never, it never, it only made a pilot, never got picked. Uh, they, they, the company got bought after that. That's how I met Zon and, or I met Zon before. That's why I worked with Zon more. And one thing that I noticed on that set, I knew a lot of the extras. Like I knew a lot of those guys, a lot of them from Oklahoma. And I started noticing that like whenever we would eat, they would have to wait until we all ate. And I could see the look on their face, kind of like, you know, and it's like, what do you do in a native community when you're, when, when you have a visitor, you feed them first, right? Like you always make sure they eat. And so that's just protocol in our community. And extras are usually made up of people that aren't professional actors most of the time. You know, it's a lot of people that are trying this for the first time, or maybe they've been on a couple things or whatever. So a lot of them won't understand. Like, you're just not feeding them. To them, it's like, you're going to wait till we eat. These people are more important than you. It's not like this union, you know, like whatever, like, oh, this is how we've always done it in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. So I brought it up to the other producers. And, you know, I just told him it was an issue. And I'm like, you know, that's super offensive to like a native, to native people that don't know what's going on. Like that could be looked at as like, you know, really disrespectful. And so the first thing that I do on my show, Reservation Dogs, is I tell the the assistant directors in the that department, I'm like, look, like, <clears throat> like they get to eat with us. And they get to have water and they get to have coffee and they get to chill. Like, like we have to treat them good. Cause look like half of them are my family. Right. <laughs> ones that aren't my family are my friends, you know? Um, and they're elders and they're people that we could not do this show without little things like that. Don't make a difference, you know? And like, uh, there was a moment in when we shot the Mabel scene who, that was directed by my friend, Dennis Goulet. It was the first first nations filmmaker that came down to direct a friend of mine. She started out with me close friend, so talented. It was like always me and her and Taika traveling together and stuff. And, um, and our friend Zoe. So I asked her to come direct an episode and that episode just made sense for her. I just knew that she could do it. And dude, she killed it. I mean, she was so good. And there's a moment where what and all these other elders are singing, uh, with the body. There's a couple moments. The first time we started filming that, though, we're singing, you know, and, and she warned in my head, like, I'm going to have to stop you sometimes and start over and things like that. And, you know, they're singing for a while. And at one point, Woodco stops everyone. And he's like, hey, I just want y'all to know. He's talking to the crew and the director and everyone. He's like, and I was in another room on a headset. He's like, I just want y'all to know. Like, this is what we do. And he started crying. And he was like, it's emotional for us because this is what we do. Mm. Like we do this, like, this is exactly how it is. And this is how we do it. So, you know, I just want y'all to understand. And he was emotional and Dennis, and I was about to get up to go kind of talk, you know, talk to them. But before I could, Dennis had already made her way inside. And she said, I just, she's like, really appreciate you telling me that. She was like, I just want you to know that I appreciate it. 
and and we do a similar thing in my community. And she just talked to him. And then she said, so I really want to tell you all in my language. Uh, thank you. And she said it in her language. And you could hear an audible, all of the elders in there, you could hear, an, like, I'm about to cry right now, but you could hear an audible just, oh, you know, everyone <laughs> felt her then, you know, like everyone understood that she came from, comes from a good place and everyone knew that it's okay to do this with her. You know, they were with us, they were in safe hands with her and it was fine. After, you know, like everything was fine. It was like, they all made that noise and then it was like, boom, let's do it. And then they sang and sang and sang and like having a native director directing that episode, you couldn't have got that any other way. She stepped in. She said exactly what she needed to say in the exact way that she should have said it. And they all saw her, felt it, and that's all they needed, you know? And it was just so beautiful, that moment, you know? Like, I'll never forget that. Do you think that there is, um, uh, there's like a proof of concept kind of thing happening, right? Like, you're, 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 you're in a position that gets to be like one of the first, right? Like to be in, in this position. I was just during, during market, I was, I was working a door with Pierre and Pierre was talking about just the, um, how it's like the best set he's ever been on. And Pierre and Ginger, like they've worked in some movies, you know, uh, just work. And, uh, I don't know. Hearing hearing that from him, like this was the best set I've ever been. And he's like, and not just for me. He's like, all these cats from LA who are there, from Atlanta, you know, they're everyone's in agreement. Like right. it's just the best set to be on. Um, do you think that there could be a impact within the industry? You know, um, I truly do, and we've talked about that because it's like practices don't change in big sweeping ways. I think that they do start small. And I also think our generation is more adept to this native or not, you know, like I'm, you know, like friends with Barry Jenkins, you know, and who did underground railroad moonlight and all of that. Uh, you know, one of the creators of the show blind spotting Raphael, like all these people that I've kind of got to know and be around that have these shows out right now, all of them are like this. A lot of them are like this. You know, it's just a, um, I think there's a lot more people. It's honestly like more people understand community now because of the responsibilities that we need to have as far as like, I mean, social media as bad as we like to like, you know, trash it. It also has created these communities where you understand people and you understand people's needs and you understand what people are missing and you understand what people want and you people get called out for conducting themselves wrong and all of that i think leads to a consciousness and an education that can easily change and have people uh the practices change and i think they are changing i think the my set's just an, an example of that especially from like an indigenous perspective it is um everyone that works on that set tells me that it's the best set and they tell me that like they're spoiled because of it. Or they tell me, I'm going to take this back where I'm at. Like Jennifer Podemski, she was working, she was an actor. She plays Willie Jack's mom. 
she was telling me she was kind of like shaking her head one day outside where she she was just like man i just like can't believe this set she was like i just like i she was like i want to tell you like i'm gonna t- i want to take this back with me like this is the way that we have to do it back home like it has to be like this and she's a filmmaker and showrunner and she's like it has to be like this and i'm there's like things that i've seen here that i'm taking back home you know um i had a canadian filmmaker when i was in Kahnawake recently uh, doing a panel um they she asked me she said how do you get so many native crew members uh she was like it's really hard here like they're not in the union and things and that is true like it's hard to do that there Oklahoma's a right to work state. So you can hire non-union people to work with union people. You uh-huh. know, that's how I get to do it here. Um, so there are like things and doors that still need to be open or whatever, but I do think it's changing. I mean, you look at someone like Ava Duvernay, just a badass showrunner filmmaker, you know, with her film or with her show, uh, Queen Sugar. Um, she that first year she had all female filmmakers direct those shows and all of them were independent filmmakers before that. None of them were like TV people, but she gave them an opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. they act like it's a, it's a trick or it's a, they act like it's a, it's a, it's magic. And it's not, it's people that know how to tell a story with a camera. All you got to do is move out of the way and give people opportunities. And it's a, it's been a very directing TV has been a very protected job. It's been very isolated and protected, which we know means mainly white men have been directing TV throughout the years. And there's exceptions and that changes and whatever. But uh, one way that you change that, is lifting up independent filmmakers because that's where people of color, that's where women, that's where people that don't get opportunities are making their films. Not to say that there's also not like, you know, white independent filmmakers, males that are also doing that, but like, you know, you give them an opportunity and all of a sudden they've been working in the trenches and making these independent films for so long, give them an opportunity to tell, to, to work in TV and they can do it, you know, like talent's talent, you know, and like all of the directors, I mean, like Tazba, you know, Sydney, Sydney at this point is kind of like a veteran TV director, uh, Sydney Freeland, but like Tazba, Black Horse, you know, Dennis, um, all of them like came in and directed these episodes and they had never done TV before, but like knocked it out of the park, you know? I mean, and then what's cool is they get to put their own spin and style on it. Yeah, Erica Tremblay just got her first directing job on the, this new season, uh, which was great. It's like take let's take a uh, episode that Chad, Charlie, and I wrote together about men on a rooftop and sort of manhood and masculinity, but then have Erica Tremblay direct that. You know, have like this female lens put on it. You know, like I don't know, just like being able to give people the opportunity to tell these stories and like see what it does and see how it shakes and see how it changes things. Uh, that's honestly my favorite part of this, you know, and it's sort of what Taika did for me. You know, I'm like, he handed me this show. I haven't seen him since, but he handed it to me. And like, you know, he's like, there it is, man, do it. And I was so nervous, like at first making the show at the first episode and all of that. Cause my brother had given me this opportunity and I was like, fuck, I got to like swing for the fences, man. Like I have to swing for the fences. I have nothing to lose. This is my opportunity and I got to go for it. And if it, for anything, just to make my friend proud and, and not regret helping me get this show, you know? Well, I'm sure he's proud wherever yeah. he's at. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I think 
you know, the, the experience that you've gained within the last two years of filming, being a showrunner and all of that sort of stuff, how do you apply all of that? Like the nervous energy that was in the first season, you know, just coming out of the second, any, any, uh, growth in that space? Yeah. I mean, like in what way in like how we tell the story or just in life, just in life for Sterling Harjo. Right. Uh, right. Oh yeah. I mean, I've learned, uh, well, second season was scary. You know, it's like, fuck, we did this like really good season of TV. Like, what do we do now? Like, God, we gotta like make it better. Like, how do we do that? You know? There's something though really great about having 30 minute episodes because it's, I don't know if people want it to be longer, but like, I love having 30 minute episodes. I like to give, I, it's like a start and a stop and it happens every episode, a start and a stop. And I get to show you another part of this story and then I get out and then you want more and that's great. And then the next one's totally different. You know, you're in a new, almost a new world, but it's still the same world and it's still the same show. And I, I just remember writing this episode and we're just like, like in my head, I'm like, I think it's good. Like, I think it's good. Like it goes, it gets really good. There's some weaker spots that we fixed, but like it gets, it feels good. But then as I started seeing the cuts, I was like, oh shit, this is good. Cause my first two episodes were like, it was like one big episode. Yeah. And I always give everyone else the cooler episodes, you know, like, cause I, I, I always have to do the legwork. I feel like where it's like, I'm starting the new season. This episode's got to bring everybody back into the world and kind of set up the journey for this season, you know, and there's no dance numbers or like acid trips in my episodes. It's like logistical stuff, you know? Uh, but as I saw them, I was like, Oh shit, these are good. Like, these are good. This totally works. And before yeah. that, you're going, I don't know, this is going to work, you know? But then you see it, it's like, oh, shit, it's fucking going to work. And then you're like, oh, I know what's coming. Auntie's Night Out's coming. Yeah. Like, cast a wide net, hose. We're going We're going to catch some motherfucking fish is coming, you know? Like, like, <laughs> and then the shit that you don't know is out yet that's coming. And I don't and tell I'm not, I know, I, and I know it's coming, and I'm just like, "Oh fuck, well, this is we're in good shape." You know, there were no, there was no weak spots, and um, so uh, that's been exciting. I mean, like as far as like personally, I mean, like self care, self care is what. Yeah, come and say hi. He said, "Can I be in the podcast?" Of course you can. Hi. Say hello. Hey, I am. It's Chinupa. This is Remember Chinupa? No. He played with you when you were young. I, I still don't remember. Too. Show him who you got. I got the dragon puppet from Kittlesticks. There's a store called Kittlesticks, and you got a dragon puppet. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. He also has a gecko now. What, like a real one? Yeah. Really? You feed it crickets. Oh. Is it a cricket killer? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, whenever I wear pointy cowboy boots, I call those cricket killers. <laughs> you can name your gecko <laughs> cowboy. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, it's personally, it's like hanging out with them and self, you know, like self care is like kind of a cliche at this point, but it's like, it's a lot, you know, like doing a show like that's a lot of work. It's like, um, 
I mean, by the end of that, by the end of this season, it felt like I hadn't had a break because of all the press and all that. I was like destroyed. Like I just like I could I, I was like barely standing up, you know, like it was like brutal because mm-hmm. you're just constantly marching and walking and marching and marching, and like you know, you don't stop. And we're shooting these episodes in four days, you know, like anyone that knows about shooting anything, like, it's so hard to like shoot 30 minute episodes in four days, you know. I remember the day we were filmed with Megan Mullally. I think I filmed like 20 scenes that day, you know, and it's just a lot to go through, you know. So, you know, at the end of it all, it's like, I was like, you know, I mean, like I downloaded some like meditation apps and stuff, you know, like, I'm like, how do I, because it's a storm and it's like, how do I calm all of that? You know, like that's where I've been focused, you know, it's like calming all of that because like, I realize now too, I don't know if this is just like maturity or whatever, but there's just so much that I need to fuel what I do. Like, um, whereas before it could be like going out and having a crazy time. Now it's like, I just want to like read all these books that I have never cracked open, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like that's what I want to do. And I think the chaos of what life has been outside of my house has made me want to stay in my house. And like, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like the first time I've ever felt like really making my home, my home. I was always mm-hmm. moving. I was always constantly leaving somewhere. And it's the first time that I felt like really trying to make it feel like home. I think that like, obviously like, I think like you and Ginger and people that are doing things as well. I mean, I think that that's always kind of helped fuel me is like knowing that there are other people out there doing the work as well. Uh, that's been good just to be able to like reflect on that. But like, it's funny because you and I haven't talked a lot in like a year. I know. Like yeah. A year. Yeah. That's not <laughs> because I didn't want to talk to you. That's because it's been so incredibly busy. Uh, I I imagine. I yeah. totally imagine. We've been busy over here too. And yeah, I'm I mean, like, you, guys, you guys have been traveling. Like where 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 were you at? You were you went back home, right? Yeah, we went back home. We were in Montana. We've been all over the place. Um Went to Oaxaca for the first time. Yeah. I mean, so we've, we've been around, but I'm just like, uh, I can feel you on that, like making home be like, yeah. actually, this is the, this is the place I want to hang out, you yeah. know, when you're running around and, uh, having to travel and do all of these, like the, I don't know. I think it's the, um, the pull from, like audience, like if you got to go and do a talk or you're on a show or, you know, right. doing, doing an interview or all of this sort of stuff, yeah. there is, um, there's a, a second part of your brain. That's like the, now I'm on, now I'm in public brain, you right. know? Right. And, uh, I swear it's like a, it's like a, it's like a supercharger or something for your brain. It ends up like burning so much energy right. in, for like, well, I'm just talking to people you know, which is different to, than just talking to your friends, like, you know, out at a party or something like that. Like, I, I mean, you made a film, right? Didn't you just make uh, something? I make, uh, I mean, there are, there are pieces, yeah. but we did, we worked on a, on a film on a, uh, in, in New York right. and had a whole team to kind of help do that. And that's one of those like, uh, uh, 
director actor scenes right <laughs> you know, where you're like I, I i can imagine how cool this looks but i'm not actually looking at it in the camera so i have no idea you know oh, no. um that's good it was it was cool because we got to work with a really good team and they gathered so much footage that after we filmed everything and went through it all we ended up making the like focus of the film from my boy's perspective Oh. So it's like a, it's like a road movie with these two little boys who are like traveling through uh, a future, future place, you know, and it's, <laughs> this is the art part. It's 30 minutes, but there are three films playing simultaneously oh, wow. and they're all 30 minutes long. And wow. sometimes the three, sometimes all the screens go all the way across and it's one. Yeah. Yeah. thing but most of the time it's broken up and like playing simultaneous scenes from different angles at wow. the same time who, who edited it uh i worked with this group called mpac uh oh. in rensselaer polytech this is in oh. troy new york they have an amazing facility there wow. but um uh we sat down we sat down with all of the footage and just went through it and as we're moving through it you had you, you always conceived it as being the three screens or no yeah. Yeah. I always imagined it being three screens because it was built for like art installation, you know, right. but in the process, it was like actually creating a narrative, but there's like no words in it at all. My boys are speaking in like a made up language that we, we went on a walk with a, with a audio recorder and they just started singing in a made up language and so we were, we would just talk in that too, you know, and we just like dubbed that over the top of it. So there's an audio component to the three films that's also on like, you know, the same timeline, half an hour, but that's it like plays in between, like sometimes you're hearing what's happening in this screen sometimes, oh, yeah. you know, Wow. but yeah, it was up, that? it's up right now in one of its iterations, which is all on a single screen all three channels on one screen, you know? So like the um, ratio is like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, I see. So do you have plans on doing the three screens somewhere? Oh yeah. 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 I've got all kinds of plans. We put a lot into that, man. Um, Well, how was your kid? How were your kids about being in it? Like, just like whatever. They were, they were good. They, I mean, we ended up having them be the focus. Like honestly, right. the best footage of it was of them, right. uh, but they were like dragging ass, you know, I, I, I take that back. They were troopers. Like they made it through right. three grueling days of like full film all day long. And under that sense, I'm like, they were amazing, right. you know? <laughs> but like there were moments in that from uh not director but father point where i'm yeah. like pull it together man like we only got a couple more we're all tired <laughs> we're all tired yeah <laughs> well i would i'm i'm i think we should probably like wrap up our conversation yeah I, um any uh final thoughts <laughs> yeah final thoughts but also like I haven't, I haven't gotten to talk to you in a year and it is completely different, you know, like, like it's seeing you again and I'm seeing you as I remember you from like a year ago, you know, but it's, there is a whole year in between that. And, um, 
changes, man. Tremendous changes. Like yeah, how how are you how are you doing on a on a more you know personal level show outside family? How, are you are you getting you getting along good? You know. Um, yeah, you know, um, it's been uh, my family's great. Um, I have a fiance now, and that's great. My kids are, you know, good, happy. Everyone's like, um, it's been cool. Like my fiance Britt makes films, and it's been nice to a nice counterbalance to like this all happening is like also like being able to uh put my attention on someone else's work you know and like uh like her film got into the sundance film festival and it didn't get to have its screening because of covid so um i got with the local theater and we had a big giant community screening here and then i um, went to cherokee north carolina where she took the film she took the film back home and showed it and um to, to the cherokee homelands and showed it and so you know that's been cool we went to montreal together just trying to like I don't know. I mean, like, it's a weird thing to be in production because life is, it's, it's not life. And then when you get done, it's like, Oh yeah. Like I'm a dad and I'm trying to like, try to like remember how to do all of that because uh, you know, like Pierre, everyone, like we're just on this like train of production for months. And then all of a sudden you're done. And it's just like, Whoa, like, what do we do? Like, how do we function? You know, my, my, my uh, parents have been like, my parents have been good. I mean, like that's some of the most amazing stuff is like seeing how proud my parents are, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, and you never know how long you're going to have your parents and you never know what they're going to get to see, you know? And I truly feel so happy that they saw all of this and they've been in the show. They're in this season. Um, my dad's de- acting debut, you know, and um <laughs> Uh, just being able to like, my dad said something to me the, to when it first came out though. And it was like picking up steam season one. It was towards the end of season one. He go, and, and it was like all I needed to hear. Cause I was in such a bubble of just like my head, like just like everything coming at me and trying to finish it and trying to do press and all of that, that I didn't like, it was hard to just like be myself. And, I, and he said something to me one day. He was like, man, this came out of your head. He was like, I can't believe it. He's like, can you believe that? He's like, this came out of your head. I was like, yeah. And he was like, um, he was like, and you gave native people a reason to like hold their head up a little higher. Like he was like, native people are now holding their head up a little higher and they're proud of this. And he's like, you know, and he's like, I'm like, he's like, I get talked to on the street myself, like back home. Like people are just like so proud of it. And he was like, and that just like it came out of your head. And like you made them. Like everyone's lifting their head up a little higher. And it was like, that's all you kind of need to hear, you know, like, like getting snubbed by the Emmys is one thing, you know, but like hearing your dad say that, you know, that's the, that's the award, you yeah. know, and being able to see my parents enjoy it and go through it and the love that they're feeling off of it um, has been amazing. What? Yeah, go ahead. Is it okay if he uses the dog bed as a nest yeah it's okay it's okay <laughs> but yeah it's like um you know there's people that aren't here that i wish were here to see it and then i always have that thing in me where you know oklahoma small town native like don't let it go to your head too much you know like 
what's what's next you know like it could all go away you know <laughs> like what's next and one thing that i am doing and what i have been doing uh is i got an overall deal with fx and part of that is i get to bring projects to them and i've already sold a project who's a, from a friend of mine alaska native friend of mine and who's a filmmaker and i already walked this project in sold it so it's getting developed at fx i have another project that i'm taking in next week that i hope they hopefully buy that and so it's just like like you know reservation dogs cool but now it's like branching off into these other things and like we're going to show these other stories and communities and you know one's a true crime and one's a um kind of a more like uh horror horror you know and it's like all these things that we get to like develop you know i mean that's like that's i think that's where the energy moves into and that's where the healthy energy is it's like not being in my head so much and like kind of like spreading it out and like bringing other people into it and like and i think with the the more projects and the more people that are into this world the more we're going to see kind of community driven filmmaking and shows and art and it's going to have that trickle down effect and there's going to be more people more native people involved and you know that's good yeah it is good i think it raises the bar on the mediocrity that we were experiencing like the opportunity for all of these completely diverse voices that are like also resonating in a country that's like becoming so like (laughs) two-toned that like seeing that complexity on on media like check it out like there's a there's a much larger story here that has been um omitted and or like yeah you know and you know how much is left out like you know you know how many places we can go mm-hmm. like how many stories there are like totally uh, and a lot of developed and things like that now but like man it's just like you know it's 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 this whole thing's cracked open now yeah well and your dad's right it made all native people like that's that's wild in in in, in the u.s like ticked up a notch you, right. you know well happy to be seen you know right. um not making themselves smaller in in spaces right. like there right. is a, there's a big yeah. impact in that yeah. uh show and the shit came out of your head <laughs> <laughs> it's a big head there's a lot in there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I mean, the biggest the biggest part of that is also like what come out of your head is also a nod to how you were raised, you know, an understanding and acknowledgement of what it means to be accountable to community, what it means to tell the what's the impact of telling stories. You know, that's my biggest thing is like uh, and it's always kind of been the bar and the barometer for me is like, would it make my community happy and my parents and my people that raised me you know because they did i mean they they were poor and they didn't they didn't like they didn't have to do a good job (laughs) but they did you know they were always there you know we we have to do a good job we We have to (laughs) don't don't give anybody a but we do have to for sure they had opportunities not to but they chose to and we do have to do better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we all could. We could all do right. better, you know, right. no matter what. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those hats when you start selling them. 
It'll probably just be a um, PDF that I'll send you on how to cut a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I want a video. I want an instructional video at least. I'll make an instructional video. <laughs> um. Well, shit, man. I am. I'm really glad to see you. For glad one. Uh, I do want to see you in real life at some point, yeah, but see each other in person very soon. Yeah. Um, hold on a second. Okay. I just got, um, a message. Just got from a message from my God. Yeah. <laughs> what she have to say? She says, <laughs> uh, how's your heart? How is your heart Sterling? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it full? Mm. Is it empty? How's your heart, Sterling? It is... My heart is... I would say... Very full. Full is a really good description of it right now. It's very full. And I love having this guy... And his sister, who doesn't care as much, like she won't come in here as much because, like, she's like, she kind of just like, like if you give her a, if you let her stay up late, she's gonna go watch a show or something and hide, you know. And like, you'll go in there and every bit of furniture is turned upside down. But this guy likes to hang out and watch me edit and stuff. So like, um, you know, having them and being able to like focus, I think that's what it's taught me is like just focus on everything in your life that's good. And that in turn makes your heart full, you know, and, and when you're telling these stories and you're doing all this stuff and you're talking about what we're talking about in the show and all of that, I think that your heart does get heavy. And then it's about emptying that and refocusing it after the show is done, you know? And, um, yeah, I feel light. Don't take it with you. Exactly. Don't take it with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Pretty, I'm pretty good at that. Are you, do you get to come home when you're, when you're working on the, on the film? Cause it, is it I close? Do. Yeah, it's close, you know, but it, the hours are, you know, pretty late. Yeah. You know? Um, so I'm mainly with the kids on the weekends and stuff and days off and stuff like that, which is, you know, it's good, but like, it's not normal life. You know, it's like oh, I'm no. there for two days and I'm, destroyed and exhausted and i just like take them to the most fun place i can take them where they're gonna have fun playing video games or whatever eating pizza whatever you know and then it's not real life it's been good to be back in real life and like doing a schedule i take they started school again you know it's like i get up in the morning i take them to school the secretary tells me how much she likes the show and the latest episode and uh you know uh uh, it's good. That's that's good. I make them lunch in the morning. You know, like that's that's what I love. You know, it's like doing that right now because like life is not like that for me. Doing this show, it's totally not normal. So whenever I'm done, it's like do normal stuff. You know, yeah. That's what I, you know, running. We're taking them to Cherokee National Holiday to uh, this weekend, and might go to a stomp dance and just kick it. You know, be at home. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad All to right. hear that. How how long is your break now? Uh, what is today? September first. Um, let's say three and a half weeks, and then I'll start writing. 
the writer's room will start yeah. for season three. That's awesome. Yeah. When do you get to tell everybody? So we can tell uh, everybody. Uh, you guys, they can say it on here. I, we can, I can say it. It's fine. I'm starting the room. It's fine. It'll happen very soon, probably in the next week or so, I bet. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, so we should come out in the next three three weeks, you said? No, no, because I, I can hang during the when I'm riding. Like, I take days off. We'll, we'll, we'll have fun. Maybe we'll come out there. I can work from anywhere. That would be nice, well, man. I can share with you all of my million dollar ideas that I won't ever uh, actually yeah. move into full production. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> I am here for it. What size hat do you have? Uh, big. I do too. I wear a seven and five eights. Wow, so do I. Your head's that big? I'm fucking six foot three though. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't. It's a big head. Look, look at it. It's actually a big head. I just have really wide shoulders too. That's why your head don't look big either. Yeah. <laughs> when I do this, but when someone when puts I put my hat on, when, when someone puts my hat on, it just like sinks over the eye. <laughs> I tried to give this hat away to my barber, and uh, he put it on his head, and it like went, you know, it was like this. That's hilarious. It's like a bell. Like fashion designers love you, would love you. It's like you could just drape you with anything and it works somehow. It's like DeFerro. Like DeFerro's kind of like that. You just like throw whatever on him and it's like, oh, wow, it looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put like a regular hat on and it's just like. Yeah. <laughs> a regular hat. Yeah. All right. Good All right. Love you, man. Right. Love you, brother. Well, they ran out of letters on the marquee. They can't spell my name And I'm trying to dodge a little bit of heartache So if it's all the same I'm loading out My line is drawn I'm headed home Watch me get gone Well, I want to be a bottle on the top shelf Covered up in dust now they won't be able to afford me They won't have enough Don't want to be bought Don't want to be sold Don't want to be talked down to Don't want to be owned Bartender's looking at me sideways Guess I don't have right But I've been tipping like a canoe Smiling all damn night I guess I'll quit And just walk away I don't need this shit Have a good day Well, I'm playing for a fool in a bar up. Stubborn as my dick 
He's yelling, sing another David Allen Coe song But I ain't sang one yet Well, I'm floating out My line is drawn I'm headed home Watch me get gone On the marquee, they can't spell my name. And I'm trying to dodge a little bit of heartache. So if it's all the same, well, I'm loading out. My line is drawn. I'm headed home. Watch me get. 